Hey loves, welcome to the Soulful Self-Care Sessions. I'm Pleasance, your host for this sometimes magical, sometimes sciencey, sometimes super woo podcast. My intention is to create a supportive, loving home for your soul. Together, let's explore the ancient wisdom teachings of yoga, Ayurveda, and Eastern philosophy right alongside modern science, well-being, and lifestyle design. Here, we live into the questions, and we don't pretend to have all the answers. I deeply appreciate your support, and I really hope that this inspires you to have more joy and ease every single sacred day. All right. Hello, everyone. Um, Today, I'm here with my dear, dear friend, um, and soul sister, Rita. Rita, can you hear me okay? Yes, 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 I okay. can. Oh, you're so clear and wonderful. Um, okay, so why are we doing, why are we having this conversation? Um, <laughs> let me give you guys a little bit of a background from my perspective, and then um, I'm going to invite Rita to share her perspective. But basically, um, you know, this podcast and these conversations are about um, taking care of ourselves at the deepest level from the inside out um, with our soul work, like the real juicy, delicious parts of our lives that, um, you know, I think in modern conversations, we don't actually get to maybe have these kind of deeper soul conversations as we're like standing in line at Starbucks or, you know, taking the bus or the metro. So the point of these conversations is to have a space to dig a little deeper and to really um, connect at that soul level and use it as a way to help us with our own personal freedom, our own connection, and um, our own sort of unique perspective and ways that we are more alike than we are different. So that's always my intention with these conversations And so right from the beginning of this podcast, um, I wanted to, I had asked my friend Rita to come on and talk about um, a topic that her and I are exploring a lot together right now. Um, So I'm going to let Rita take it from there. Rita, will you introduce yourself and um, tell us a little about your background and how you take good care of yourself? Okay, so three things. Intro, a little bit about background, and how do I take care of myself? Yes. Okay, so I'm Riri. Um, everybody, <laughs> thank you so much for taking the time first uh, mm. to stop and hear and listen um, and, and join us in this discussion. Um, I really appreciate it because just taking the time, like Pleasant said, is, is, a, is a great first step for mm-hmm. self-care. It's just taking the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, uh, since you can't see me, I'll, I'll describe a little bit about myself um, as well. So um, I'm a native Washingtonian. I don't know how many generations, but anywho, um, <laughs> I've lived most of my life in, in this very insular Maryland, D.C., Virginia bubble. Um, mm-hmm. So that has, that has been the landscape of my cultural and, and, and societal observations have been in this Beltway hub. Um, I'm 36 years old. I was born in Reagan era, 1981, um, in D.C. Uh, at the height of uh, the crack epidemic in Southeast, which is the poorest ward of Washington, D.C., and um, African-American female. 
Um, at this moment in my family, we we're at a juncture where all the females except myself um, are in very um, serious health states. Um, and I say that to preface this, um, out, it, it could be possible. I want to invite everybody who's listening to open your mind to, if you're going through horror in your life, if you're willing to stop and like, listen to what your heart is saying, those can be opportunities to change and like initiate your own healing. I'm going to say that again because I think it needs to be said. Um, if you're going through hard, and you're human, so you are going through hard. So let me preface that. Everyone goes through hard. <laughs> um, those moments of horror and trauma, those are the times where, you know, um, I'll speak to the spectrum of the listening audience. Those are the times where the guru shows up or those are the times where you realize you're the guru. Mm-hmm. Um, those are the times that healing can emerge. Um, so all of that context that I gave you uh, birthed my own uh, healing mm-hmm. journey and definitely um, is, uh, I guess, the undercurrent of my, my soul work. And I'm hoping that as I continue to, to, to as Pleasant said, you know, take time to listen and hear and connect with people on deeper levels. That's part of my medicine day to day. So I uh, currently uh, make my money. Yes, I'm working because <laughs> I, I want to dispel some of that myth too and speak to like the gamut of the listening audience. You know, I understand, you know, a lot of people are coming to holistic health from different places and spaces. I have a daytime gig. Uh, <laughs> I've been, you know, mm-hmm. working and having to feed myself and pay rent, right? Because mm-hmm. I want to dispel some of that myth too. That, you know, we, we come from all walks of life. Um, I, my, my professional background has always been in public health and education. Mm-hmm. And so in addition to my own um, healing journeys, I, I, I've, I've served on the front lines in D.C. public schools with Pleasance, actually. Mm-hmm. It's funny, Pleasance used to be my teacher mentor. <laughs> actually, she taught me, she said, keep it all the way 100, Pleasance taught me how to teach <laughs> young children in Southeast. So, anywho, that's how we know each other. Uh, we, we, we together are on the same page with talking about issues that nobody else wants to talk about. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why she and I, we're, we're practicing and stretching our courageous muscles. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, you know, so I, I guess I preface all that with, no, I don't have a doctorate or a PhD in, you know, <laughs> in any kinds of studies or anything like that. I'm just human. Right. I'm human that has had some experiences that I am courageous enough to openly talk about and chew on with other human beings um and so how the third piece okay so with all that being said you know I think the question you asked Pleasance is what steps or how do I practice Uh self-care on a Uh daily basis Uh so first of all this is this is this is again keeping it all the way 100 because this is another thing too like I think with holistic health and healing and you know and all this space we gotta keep it 100 and not make it so mystical sometimes and, and like bring and bring and bring and also like 
bring like the aha moment, like, like, oh, you know, there are times where like my healing is right in front of me, but I'm not present to like take advantage of it. So I'll give you a prime example. I have a cat, my kitty, Domino, like Domino, when I get up in the mornings, when I get up in the mornings, every morning, and I do mean every morning, I, I sit with my cat. Mm-hmm. Um, I do that. I mean, even if sometimes I can sit for, for 10 minutes, sometimes I can sit for an hour, but like I have to get up and be at work, but I, I make that commitment. Like I have to do it. I, and, and it wasn't an overnight thing, but just waking up um, and just sitting there. Mm-hmm. That sounds very basic, but you know, it's, it's simple. It doesn't cost any money. It doesn't require an app. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not asking you to meditate at this moment. I'm just saying just wake up and like give yourself five minutes mm-hmm. to breathe. To just breathe. Um, one of the components, or I'll say, because we all, I think, as humans, when we're healing from our issues, we have to, it helps to to put things in components or buckets, if you will, back to preschool, kind of sort things and categories. And one of my components of healing uh, is in the mental health realm from anxiety. And um, sitting, just sitting and breathing. If, if you could practice it, it takes practice. But over the years, I think for people who are healing from like anxiety, waking up with panic, mm-hmm. You know, um, waking up with a sense of urgency. I, I, I challenge you all tomorrow morning, if you can, pay attention how you feel when you wake up. Mm-hmm. A lot of us wake up in emergency mode. And that has a lot of serious health complications. If you find yourself waking up and you're just, oh, get up, look at the screen, run out the door, go to the kitchen, you know, that is not nourishing. So just waking up and just breathing for five minutes, that, I, I, I challenge you all to do that. And secondly, challenge you all to, to feel, to, to pay attention to how you feel and how you're breathing when you wake up. That will tell you whether or not what I'm saying could make sense for you because again we all have choices but that helps me on a daily basis it doesn't cost any money it doesn't require an app mm-hmm. and it's simple mm-hmm. sitting for five minutes and if you have a cat even better <laughs> or a dog <laughs> I feel like I could like listen to you talk about all of this for the rest of the day like I'm already crying just I'm so tearful hearing you just speak so clearly and wholeheartedly about your practice and about like our shared experiences as humans. And um, your wisdom is just so, it's just so clear to me. And I think that one of the reasons I get like emotional when I hear you talk, because I've seen you a lot in person lately and we've been doing a lot of talking is because I actually think it's quite rare. I don't, spend time with a lot of women right now, mainly because of the work I'm doing with mentoring and coaching and 
really leading. Um, but where I'm sort of quote unquote the teacher, right? And so I, um, I don't get to be face to face often with women as strong and clear and powerful as you are and as you've become. And so I want to honor that in you um, and just sort of say that publicly because I've watched you evolve. Um, but I want to hear a little bit about like, were you always this connected to yourself? Did you, did you just grow up like this? Like, tell me more about how you developed these skills, how you develop this strength and this wisdom and sort of what that journey was like. Oh yeah. So, okay. Story alert. So I'm letting, you know, just speaking to the spectrum of the audience. Um, we're going to get, I'm, I'll, I'll explain that through a few things, just a few that I, that I had to deal with as a child, mm -hmm. but I want to preface this because I want to make this very, very, very clear before I tell you the stories that these were experiences and I want to preface before I start talking about it, that these are experiences that I'm healing from. Mm -hmm. Don't stay there. So let's get into the story. So as I explained to y'all, all right, keeping it all the way 100. I was born in 81. Um, at the time where I was born, my dad, matter of fact, I was born June 15, 1981. Okay, so like, I was born in June. My, so in April, just to give y'all the preface, right? Mm -hmm. My parents, okay, so when I was born, I'm going to give you the, the context and the foundation I my both my parents my mom and my dad had just turned 19 the year before my mother ran away from home from a situation where her father was raping her reason so we're setting the context I know this is hard if I said y'all we talking about always real life mm -hmm. so to set the context so this is the mental and emotional state she's in um two Months before I was born, my father, you know, was a black man from D.C. and certainly got his stuff because he's human. He tried to jump off the D Street Bridge. So I'm telling the story before I, I even like came out into the world that there are there are there were some things happening physiologically that that, that like 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 um. And I work, I work in the field. Now. I used to be in public education, but I now work in um, the federal government space in the field of medical research and, and, and uh, medical science and, and just how the body, how our bodies, the science of our bodies. So I say that to say there was, must have been, uh, for me to have been born healthy, meaning without any <clears throat> serious um, disabilities or anything like that, because both my parents were, were hardcore drinking and drugs. So just there was something miraculous about uh, something resilient of resilience gene or blessing just for just on a physical biophysical level to come out into this world as a normal baby. So so uh, something so I came here with something. I preface that first and foremost. Okay, boom, I get here. It's June 15th, 1981. So with my both my parents being at those in those states and they're 19. I mean, everybody think about where they was when they was 19. Okay? So on top of all that, they're teenagers. Mm -hmm. And it's like, okay, so I mean, <sighs> the childhood was just blown up. I mean, that's all I mean. And so in no, and so in that, in that, in that state, I had to hit 
the ground running with mm-hmm. being observant, being resourceful, like mm-hmm. like like already seeing that okay, my primary people, my mama bear, my papa bear, are not capable of showing me how to walk. Mm-hmm. I mean, seriously, like mm-hmm. you know, I have to cry to the top of my lungs for the neighbor to hear me. Mm-hmm. For people to say, oh yeah, that's why that's why Rita's in the back room. She might be hungry. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like I had to like learn mm-hmm. how to speak up, like mm-hmm. like and, and talk fast and 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 realize and say, okay, can, can this person help me? Let me be open and 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 ask and seek out help. Cause see, also too, like, okay, so I'll tell y'all that too. Like, okay, skills, I wrote that down. What skills and strengths? When you are in like a horror, in a horror show where you can't do for self, those are the times where you have to help for, ask for help. Like, I don't mm-hmm. know who told us. Oh yeah, I do know who told us. That's a whole nother discussion. That's part of patriarchy and a whole bunch of other stuff. But <laughs> like for women, like, let me say that too. Like, like our, our willingness to it is in our like most broken states like it's okay to ask for help you know but, mm-hmm. but you got to be observant enough and trust your intuition like to go to the right person identify the right person that can help you mm-hmm. but like to answer your questions about what skills what strengths like I had to from the break mm-hmm. be open enough to state the help I need and why I need the help mm-hmm. So, okay, let's talk about school age. Okay, fine. I get to school. Thank God I get to school. And I realized, like, all right, like, okay, boom. I already got it. Like, this education thing is going to be my ticket out. Like, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to try to do my best. Um, So, but but around, I'm going to say fourth or fifth grade, I I knew, like, I knew that, wait a minute, like, this this even even what I'm getting in my school system sucks. But but again, you gotta know how to be resilient, you know. So mm-hmm. through school, I was like, all right, I'm gonna go to I'm gonna take this lip, these lemons, and I'm gonna make this lemonade. I'm gonna do the best I can to get through this busted school system. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I can at least get to, and y'all gonna laugh, but this is real people, real life. If I can get to UDC, like that, that was like the you know, okay, so people who may not be from the area, or whatever, the University of District of Columbia, which is a, the quote unquote community college place mm-hmm. for DC public school students. Um, basically, like my cat to get in, like <laughs> D- UDC. My cat probably doesn't want to go to UDC, but my point is, <laughs> like, like that, like I, I saw, like I put the pieces together in in school, and how did I put the pieces together in school? I'm so glad you. Okay, back to back to how the humanity like like humans help elevate our humanity humans no matter what the color the walk of life is okay so when I got to, to high school I went to Coolidge High School and I was an ROTC mm-hmm. not necessarily because I wanted to go to the military in fact I was very anti-military by that time like nothing militaristic but but structure the structure I was I was I was very I knew my life needed structure because my parents were like antithesis to structure and stuff so I didn't want to go to the military but I wanted to be an RTC because it gave me a reason to get up and get out the house on time mm-hmm. and like be a part of a team and like learn how to lead and things like that and so my my uh, colonel and God bless his soul he was one of my, my angels um, to answer your question about skills and strengths two white men in my high school years the key of mind, black girl from Southeast, you know, uh-huh. all right, you know, live my little life. The the two most influential people in my life to help 
me get to um get out of get out of poverty okay uh-huh. let's keep let's keep it real get out of the trajectory of poverty the only way i could do that was get to college were two white men and like one of them was like a hardcore like colonel murphy my current for rtc he was like this hardcore like from uh charlotte north carolina you know just wonderful spirit who um who gave his life i don't know how he ended up well i don't know how he ended up like you pleasant just a good person and wanting to like pour the goodness of his heart to help children uh-huh. that he knew needed help uh-huh. so like here i am you know like under colonel murphy's wing like he was such a beautiful soul so like okay it, so like okay you know him he was older and then i had another mentor his name was jamie stewart this like you know white jewish guy that that was a <laughs> lawyer who went to harvard like he was in some mentoring program at my high school i don't know i can't i don't remember how i got hooked up with him but yeah. let me tell you something he met with me on thursday evenings and we talked a lot about um it was a book that we read and i can't remember it right now but i'm gonna remember it hope in the unseen Oh, I love that book. Hope in the Unseen. That book changed Let me my write life. That down. Let me oh, write that I love down. that book. Hope in the Unseen. Oh. Jamie Stewart and I, we met on Thursday evenings at my high school. And his, like, that, like, that, it was unstructured, but the beauty of it, it was, was structured. Like, he used this book to mentor me. Like, oh. we would just simply read the book. Like, <laughs> we would just read the book and talk about it. Uh-huh. And Jamie was like, you're brilliant. I, I don't care what's going on. You, you got to get you to go to college. And, and and this was my, like, year 11th grade. And I was like, college? And I was like, well, I already got my college degree. I'm going to UDC. <laughs> he was like, no, you're not. And I was like, I was like but I, I can't go to other colleges. I don't have no money. And he was like, he was like, there's something called scholarships. And again, I'm talking very basic because again, these are the lives that people live. Right. Like we gotta right. get out, we gotta get out of these assumptions. Like I did not know that about scholarships. And again, this wasn't in like 1970. This this was approximately the year like 1997. Right, right. I didn't know what scholarship was. Right. I don't know. You know what? People gave people money to go to college. Uh okay. So mm-hmm. Jamie was like, Jamie was like, okay. I know the admissions, the dean of admissions to Brown University. And I'm going to call him and I'm going to, we're going to get you to go to Brown. Now, I, again, my, my scope was the University of the District of Columbia, the, the, the community college for D.C. that literally, as long as you held a yeah. diploma in your hand, and that was questionable because they still give out diplomas today. But anywho, mm-hmm. as long as you had the paperwork, anybody could go to UDC. Like, but he mm-hmm. was trying to get me to Brown. Now back then, I didn't, I didn't understand what that meant, right? Mm-hmm. So again, when you're a young person, your first line is your parents. Like you don't know these things. You mm-hmm. don't know the mm-hmm. stuff what you know. And I will never forget Jamie. Jamie came to my apartment. And I was so embarrassed. He came to our little, our little shitty apartment. He was a cursing the little uh, terrible mm-hmm. apartment. But he came and he sat down with my daddy and he, 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 for 30 minutes, he tried to convince my dad that, hey, he wasn't a sexual predator. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Right. Because he, because Jamie had like made so many attempts to like meet my dad. But again, my dad was tracking his own stuff. Right. So like mm-hmm. my mm-hmm. dad was like, what do you want with my daughter? Like, like, right. like right. what do you mean she's smart? No, like, like, right. 
Like, what do you mean? Like, mm-hmm. so anywho, um, Jamie was just like, okay. He tried to do his part, you know? So basically, my dad was the reason why I didn't go to Brown. Like, I could have gone, and now looking back, like, damn, I could have gone to Brown University, you know what I'm saying? Anywho, so, so anywho, but Jamie Stewart and Colonel Murphy, hmm. like these two white men, mm-hmm. they, they, they helped me. So like, so back to Colonel Murphy. So, so Jamie, you know, respectfully, you know, he, we closed out our mentorship and he put his hand in my hand. And he said, listen, if, if you if, if, do not be brokenhearted. I know you don't understand what just happened, but I want you to promise me that you're going to go to a college other than UBC. Mm-hmm. I said, okay, Jamie, I promise you. So I go back to Colonel Murphy. All right, Colonel Murphy. Um, uh, I didn't, you know, told him what happened and stuff like that. So Colonel Murphy takes me upstairs to the guidance counselor. And a guidance counselor just so happens to have like the scholarship application to Trinity uh, University, mm-hmm. which is a very, very small. Uh, back then, <laughs> this is in DC. It was the, it used to be it used to be a part of Catholic University, but it's broken off and it's all mm-hmm. female liberal arts. I'm like, wow, all female like liberal arts. And I had like read the brochure that talked about how like they want to talk about women and gender issues, and they want to talk about. Like, <laughs> I thought like, oh man, this is this sounds great. Uh, I'll fill out a scholarship application. So Colonel Murphy, this is so funny. Um, my fear has settled in. I had gotten overwhelmed. This was this was and this goes to show you the the state of my school. We were typing. We didn't have computers in 1998. No computers were out. Anyway, um, we I was typing my scholarship on a typewriter, and I remember sitting there crying and just feeling like you know, I was just feeling like demoralized. I was feeling behind because like. This time was a time where it was just very fearful for me. Like I was very mm-hmm. fearful for my life. Anywho, I just I said, okay, Colonel Murphy, you know, I don't know, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe you know what? I'll do what my dad said. Maybe I, maybe I'll, you know, I'll just get a good, I'll just get a job. I'll be a secretary and I'll be okay. But this is just very scary for me because I don't. You're not like you and Jamie were the, like my only like wet parents out of this hellhole and. Jamie's gone because the mentoring program is over. When I graduate, you're going to retire and go back to North Carolina. I don't think I can do that. I, there's no one else that can help, like, help me, help me, like, like, reassure me that I'm smart enough to go to college. Like, I was, I was, I was very, I know it sounds ridiculous. I know it sounds very ridiculous, but I really just didn't think I was smart enough to go to college. So I was sitting there crying, and it was almost like 8 o'clock at night, and Colonel Murphy was like, no, you're going to finish that scholarship application. That, that is part of being a leader, doing mm-hmm. the things that you have to do when you don't feel like doing it. Mm-hmm. You want to save your life, don't, do, don't you? So I said, all right, now. I said, all right. So I stayed at Coolidge High School until like 9 o'clock that night on that typewriter, typing that scholarship pro, uh, application. And, and the scholarship application wasn't even that deep. I, and I say that because a lot of us think with, that our stories are not valuable. Yeah. Or we think like, why would somebody be interested in me? Why, why am I worthy someone giving me a grant or a gift? Right. But you know what? Everybody be brave enough. Everybody's story has color and meaning. So, I, so I'm going to tell y'all about that too. It wasn't no magic and mystery how to fill out the application. I just answered the questions. Mm-hmm. And so I got the scholarship. And like, you know, I don't know how much more time I got to talk. I could tell y'all about college. But I mean, like, like I got into Trinity. And like Trinity was again the next. It was like you know if you just if you if you can if you can shore down and like like if you can just through your life be brave enough to hold on to that feeling or that voice that's going to tell you it's going to be okay, even if it's faint. 
even if it's faint, like all throughout the, those, 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 quite frankly, if I wrote a story about it, it was like, oh my God, those were hellish years, you know? Yeah. But, but what got me through it was like listening to like that faint, tapping into like that faint GPS that's in your, 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 your heart that you could feel mm-hmm. like, all right, it's going to be okay. Just, just when someone extends their hand, take it. Mm-hmm. But you have to like, you have to be calm enough to know that along the way, if you're asking for help, the right help will come and be brave enough to take that help when it comes. Right. And get out of the way. And get like, out of the yeah. way. Yeah. You know, so all along my life, I have met angels. Mm-hmm. Well, you've been looking for them, I feel and like. And I was looking for them. Exactly. <laughs> so I was looking for them. They show up and they don't. Surprise, surprise. Okay. So speaking to the spectrum again, you know. When you ask for help, it's not like TV, like, oh, the red carpet rolls out and there's like stardust in the background and, you know, you hear the chants. No, like, like when help comes, it, it, it may be sloppy. It may not be on your timing. It may not come in the form that you even think, right? Mm-hmm. Like it may not come in the form that you may not even think because one undertow of that story of how did I make it through school years in a busted school system during a hellish time in America. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, remember, I was surrounded by quote-unquote strong black women, <laughs> okay? Like, along the way, like, I had still aunts and grandmas who were like, they strong, right? Uh-huh. But the people who who were the life, like, the lifelines, they, they served the role. I'm not diminishing their role yeah of course Hope, yeah. and hopefully at another time we could talk about that yeah um but people who did not look like me mm-hmm. they, they they those were the people like mm-hmm. so that so that's why too that that experience i think is why i feel compelled to to help with this conversation about race and social justice because I'm over talking about it like there aren't good people out here that's now every day saving someone's life that doesn't look like them. Mm -hmm. Like that's happening every single day. And I know these people. Mm -hmm. Like these are not like, oh, these are my photos. No, I built my life with these people. These people are like, like we're helping each other out here. Mm -hmm. It's real. And there's a lot of good being done. And like we need to like bring that out into the fold. Yeah, it's so interesting. You know, I... First of all, my question is, have you talked to Jamie or told him about your where you're working and what you're doing now? Have you ever reached out for it to him? That's funny. You know what? Now that we got Facebook and stuff, I never thought about trying to find him, but I can. Yeah. I want you to. Um, I feel like he'll I be can. so proud of you. I can. And matter of fact, um, <laughs> if I don't know if this series like connects to um like like some visual or something that we can upload. But mm-hmm. I actually all these years I kept a card that Colonel Murphy wrote me. Mm. And I like when we tell stories like preschool, you know, you bring mm-hmm. your show and tell. Oh, of course. Yeah. Of and course. I, I kept this car forever. He's yeah. passed away now, of course. Yeah. yeah. But like, I say that, like, and, I, and, I, and, I, and I'm proud to say that. Like, hold on, everybody. I don't know what y'all talking about, but like, white people have helped me climb the social economic scale. And not from a place of tokenism because they were just good people pouring their good into the world. Yeah, so that's the um. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. No, no, I'm, I'm just, I'm just real adamant about that because, because I lived it. Like I know, like I know you, Pleasant. Yeah. Okay. So I, you know, I'm, I'm over that too. Like you know, not a lot of people talking about the good that's being done now. There are people who are 
are doing the work and working together to do the work. Yeah. Um, this past year, I've shared some of this with you, but like kind of bringing it into the story that you said is that I feel, you know, I'm, I've always, I spent the first half of my career, um, very focused on urban education. And because I worked in Philadelphia and DC, urban education at the schools I was, were in meant black. So it it wasn't diverse. It was just all black schools. Right. Um, And so I have a lot of knowledge and information and experience in, in that urban culture and black school culture. Then when I had my daughter, I became obsessed with raising up females, like strong and beautiful and bold. Like I'd spent so long, first of all, in urban ed. And then, and then I, you know, sort of left out the piece where I became like obsessed with and kind of an expert in boys education, which is where yes. I met Rita, right? We Ooh, became yeah, yeah. obsessed with specifically black boys in Southeast DC And my research and my experience and the books and everything just became all focused on boys. And then I became pregnant with my daughter and I had this like whole new world of exploring and learning. Um, And from myself, because in many ways, I think Rita and I are soul sisters because we, we share, um, we share some similarities in parts of our early childhood pieces and our, um, role models and figures or, or lack of <laughs> in a variety of ways where we had to kind of find that strength. So I had actually never spent a lot of time thinking about raising up girls or women, or I really did not consider myself a feminist at all, uh, mainly because I was so in my zone and world of like black boys education, you know? So um, having Sailor and being pregnant with her and raising her, I became very aware of more of the issues with girls and around girls and raising them, okay? So those were my two paths. Then along comes Milo. (laughs) And I'm like, I have no idea what to do with you. Like, I don't even know where to begin with raising a white male. And we currently live in a society where there's a lot of white males in the news doing really horrible things. And I feel scared and triggered and worried and wondering how to do this, how to do this right and how to do right by him. And I gathered a bunch of women from in DC into my living room and we had a conversation about this. Like how do we raise white males who are feminists and, um, and so your story really pulls that thread, you know, re around having these two guys who really did help you. Like it's not black and white, right? Like my head and my thinking went right to like, well, I have a white male and he's going to do this, right? He likes Nerf, Nerf guns. So he's going to like guns. Like I never allowed him to have like a wider experience because I'm not hearing those stories. And so I appreciate you sharing like from your experience, how all different types of people (laughs) can be mentors and leaders and are doing the work and they're not getting on the tonight, you know, the today show. They're like not on the nightly news because they're just actually out there doing the work and helping people. And they might be white and they might be brown and they might be Asian and they might be black. And like, it's just so much more complex than I think I originally like let myself understand because I'm sometimes just really 
um, kind of simple and shallow at that first level. And it takes a little bit longer for things to sink in and, and see the bigger picture, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I, and it's funny because again, I'm, you know, as we continue to have these conversations, so it sounds like, like, you know what, Pleasant, every time me and Pleasant and I talk to each other, we, we learn more chapters yep. of our lives and we see how like, we have like these interesting, our live chapters seems to unfold, but it's a flip-flop. So yeah. like, what's funny is, um, so when Pleasance and I were teaching at the all boys public charter school in Southeast that was all black, it's very interesting because that also was an interesting turning point for me as well. Because in that environment, I said, well, wait a minute, hold on. It's starting to look like boys, period are inundated to be hyper-violent. Like, like I started to, because my thing right. is, like, I'm, I'm like a Gemini. Oh, my God, I'm, like, such a Gemini. And I'm so, like, Vata on top of Vata on top of Vata. So, like, w- when something cooks in my mind, I, like, dive into it deep. And so I started to re-up on, well, well wait a minute. Okay, okay, well, I, I, I got this chapter down to a pact about, okay, black boys in Southeast or black boys born in, um, you know, uh, 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 you know, just terrible conditions, violent conditions, conditions where, you know, they have no males to follow in the right direction. I, I started to look into, well, what are white boys, you know, I don't know, like, what are other boys, how are boys, what, what, what's going on with them? Mm-hmm. What's going on with, with, with white, with white boys who, who grow up in poverty in America, which mm-hmm. quite frankly, numerically, and that's what nobody wants to talk about in full too, and me and Pleasant share that. Yeah. Share our work with children. Like in this country, our children, I don't care. I, Sailor is under, you know, we got to save Sailor. We have to save Natasha Martin. <laughs> we have to save Milo. Like we have to save all of our children. Like I, I really want to, I want to, I want everybody to understand that like the everybody got a target on their back. Like I want everybody to understand that. There is nobody who does not have a target on their backs. Pleasance has a target on her back. Okay, yeah. so let's, let's let's all get out of that too. Like, oh well, they, you know the oppression Olympics. Yeah, everybody who has red blood pumping through their veins, raise your hand. Mm-hmm. So let's let's all come around. It's like our children. We have to come together to save to save our children like Milo okay so and, and I see like these things as flip-flop like so I started again like in my graduate work like in my trail out of urban ed over to urban I mean over to, to urban education public education over to public health that's when I started to deep dive into okay let's 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 widen the lens or to use Pleasant's language zoom out mm-hmm. so if because the, the, the universe, there are universal laws. So if you got one aspect of an equation that's suffering in this, that means the other side of the equation is experiencing something to an equal propensity. So I started to look into and read up on and talk to people about, okay, what, what are the other sides of the equations with social injustice and, and racism? Because mm-hmm. it's not so great to live with guilt and shame, I would think. You know, like a lot of the work that I was coming across mm-hmm. and talking to, you know, mm-hmm my white brothers and sisters or people who just want to sit down and kick it with me and answer these questions it ain't the grass ain't so green on the other side either mm-hmm. like like what if you know what if I, I try to put myself on the other side and to help educate everybody we're all carrying this burden yeah like we're all we are all carrying <laughs> the weight of this burden like we're all carrying shame and suffering guilt the, the ugly spectrum of negative emotions the anger and stuff and so so it's so funny like out of that like going into public health here 
we are, Pleasance and I, we really trying to like help everyone like open their eyes and understand that we are all responsible and we all are carrying different aspects of this burden. And therefore we all are invited to talk about it. We should, right? We're all in it together, right? Mm-hmm. So it right. makes sense that like we would all want to we would we would all sh- sh- we, we put it like this man if we all gonna go down and share with the suffering why not like approach them in the other direction and all come up and like share it with the healing like that mm-hmm. wouldn't that make sense so that's mm-hmm. what I'm so that's what pleasant scenario rule with like let's all we don't have all the answers but pleasant got some no. of the answers I got some of the answers there are other people got some of the and we we we're chewing them together but definitely um at this juncture right now. It's obvious that we all are are suffering different pieces of this divisive story. Mm-hmm. Story. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean story as it's not real. I mean the story of yeah. um, of the United States, like the story of, and that's just what I'm sort of hyper focused on. I've been, you know, listening to a lot of things and writing and just exposing myself to a lot of different thought leaders and some I'm kind of moving closer to and others I'm moving away from because it doesn't feel loving and whole and compassionate um, the approach. And so I'm, you know, I'm more, I, I don't consider myself to have any answers, like only questions right now and trying to really navigate like how to have conversations that are open and honest so that we can move through that pain and I think we're, we've been starting to do that, right? We actually did that live last, last weekend. Was that already last weekend? Two weeks ago? Two weeks ago. I was like, whoa. I know, um, two weeks ago. And, um, and really thinking about, especially for me, and again, in terms of, and I think starting to wrap up, and then Rita will definitely come back on and we'll talk more, um, but is really thinking about it through the context of race and spirituality, um, how white privilege um, has shown up in the yoga industry and the yoga world for um, quite some time now, um, really parallel with um, wealth and privilege in ways that I know that a lot of my, myself and my yoga friends, nobody is, not that I know of, everything is happening um, totally subconsciously and just perpetuating some of the norms and stereotypes um, And also we live in a city. I mean, this is why it's so layered and complex is that like our physical locations um, in DC and the yoga studios and the, and who's in classes in terms of shape and size and age and wealth, like there's so many layers to this. So Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. I guess I just want to close by asking you, in terms of from your lens and your perspective, like what do you dream or what's your vision? What's your wish for us as a like spiritual community, as soul sisters um, coming together on and off the yoga mat, right? And in and out of the studio, um, what do you wish for us? What do you, what would you like to see? I, um, and I'm, I'm, de- I'm glad you asked me because this, because we're acting on it, right, Pleasance? Mm-hmm. I, I want to see us start using our words, like back to preschool, because I, I think that, you know, hmm. when you're scared, you don't want to talk. And I mm-hmm. think I'm, I'm still seeing that at 36 years old, you know, 
we can go we can log on and, and post and mm-hmm. hit the like button and we can you know do all that facetime but we cannot like i'm still seeing a struggle and we look we're supposed to be the enlightened ones <laughs> mm-hmm. we're still struggling with just like looking to, into someone's eyes and like mm. asking a question or like talking about the things that keep us up at night or like that we're crying about when nobody's looking. So mm-hmm. my dream is just for, for pe- more people to be com- to, to be courageous enough mm-hmm. to start talking about it. Mm-hmm. That may sound very basic and fundamental, but we're not doing it. And it's off, and it's mm-hmm. obvious. Like having Twitter arguments and Facebook, you know, wars. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's not talking. Mm-hmm. That's not, no one learns from that. So that's my, that's my dream for the world right now. And it's like, for, for us right now, it's like, okay, let's, let's start. Can we, can we just use our words, like, and mm-hmm. have, like, conversations? Can we courageously just feel vulnerable enough to, like, ask the stupid questions or mm-hmm. the, the, the question, embarrassing <laughs> mm-hmm. questions, you mm-hmm. know? Like, mm-hmm. can we just start speaking, like, using our words like like we encourage our children to we, yeah. we tell them to speak don't we we we, we tell them to, yeah. to to say when they don't know we we urge them to be honest why are we doing it ourselves mm-hmm. yep and i'm really grateful for our friendship and the ongoing conversation and um doing this work live um doing it here and then being able to kind of plant some seeds in our area and our communities to gather women to do just that. So um, I just really honor you for all the parts of who you are, all the parts of this story. I personally am glad that Jamie, that you were at, Jamie brought you to Trinity, you know, encouraged you to go to Brown and then you went to Trinity and then we met, you know, like I just think all as these stories unfold and kind of goes from one thing to another to another, like how the stories of our lives just connect so deeply um, in ways that we couldn't even action will this bring and what kind of conversation and what questions come up. And so I love thinking about your life and stringing it in our meeting. And it's been such a gift to watch you um, grow and blossom and really be an amazing human. And I'm grateful to know you. So thanks Rita. Um, Thank you. Thank you, Pleasance. And I just want to say, too, thank you for, like, Pleasance is like the queen of being uncomfortable. But that's what makes her (laughs) so great. Like, she, like, is the queen of, like, oh, you know, she look uncomfortable. People don't want to be there. Oh, that's where I'm going to stand. Like, she's, like, she does that. And where she does that, she, like, ripples out. Mm -hmm. And she, like, that becomes her classroom. Like, Pleasance jumps in places and spaces. That, that are uncomfortable, that like other people would not dare even look at, much less go to and serve. And like she turns, she, she turns places and spaces of to classrooms mm. to like liberate people. So I thank God that like mm. I met you, you know, cause, cause again, you know, hey man, you know, it, 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 somebody can't like, Pleasance was one of the people that opened the door, like literally opened the door, like, all right, you're in the dark room, okay, here go the door, just open it. You're not sure choice if you want to walk through it, but all right, let me just open the door. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So I just mm-hmm. want to thank Thank God that mm. Pleasance was just part of that 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 theme that that flow in my life of angels who have said, "All right, you had this juncture. Now let me show you the next one." If you're willing to go there, mm-hmm. 
So I appreciate you as well, girl. And I know it's uncomfortable, and I just want to honor that too. But you are doing good work, and this is what you do. This is what you do. And I know it's it's it's, it's hard. <laughs> like I don't want to take away from that either. But what you do is great. Like like mm. it's it's like a superhero. Like like you're very unique. And mm. from that uniqueness, you will continue to thrive. Mm. And like along the way, you know, help other people live. It's really my my pleasure. It's really I feel like it's such a gift and it's really a privilege. So I'm thrilled really. There's nothing else I want to do in the world but have these conversations. All right. Now. You know. Yeah. Um and the other thing I want to say is that we're recording this in May and Rita's going to come and assist um me at our writing retreat this summer and yes. Rita's going to teach some meditation yes and do some maybe you'll do some of your own writing on some of those stories you're talking oh, yeah, about earlier. yeah 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 I'm a right I'm a Gemini yeah, I'm a right I know right. and um and be there with us for the weekend so if you're interested in meeting Rita in person feel free to come and join us uh, in July all right Rita I love you all right love and you too. everyone else may you be happy May you be safe, may you be healthy, and may you live with ease. Take care, everyone. Namaste. Namaste.